Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle. And I'm thrilled to say that joining me tonight are two top comedians. It's Leo Kurse and Steve N. Allen. So let's start with looking at tomorrow's front pages. And we begin with Friday's Mail, which has a banker who's running out of credit. With an image there of Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey looking a little worse for wear. Onto the Daily Telegraph, they have a recession to cause record drop in income. There's a lot of this on the front covers today. We'll be covering this, of course. The Guardian goes with bank raises rates and warns, warns of 13% inflation and also a large uh, coverage of the burning issue. That's a piece about climate change with a suitably apocalyptic image. Friday's Financial Times has Bank of England warns of long recession as interest rates rise by half a point. Friday's Mirror also runs with the same story. Economy in free fall as Britain heads for year-long recession. Interest rates soar to 1.75%. Inflation set to hit 13% in October. Just where are our leaders? And the Mirror's verdict right there, missing in action. Friday's Express has recession on the way. Time to batten down the hatches. Another picture of Andrew Bailey there. And Friday's Daily Star has the bad news that we're going into recession for over a year. And, but they do say that the good news here is that the Prem is back tonight. I, I did check beforehand. <laughs> that apparently means Premier League. Oh, no, it'll be tomorrow night, the Premier League. So bread and circuses, people. We might be all going to the dogs, but we can watch the football. Yay! And those are your front covers. And kicking off with Friday's Financial Times, an impending recession, Leo. Yes, yeah, so Britain faces a protracted recession, the worst squeeze in living standards for more than 60 years after the Bank wow. of England raised interest rates and forecast that inflation would hit 13% by the end of the year. I mean, who'd have thought that printing all that money, all that quantitative easing would, uh, would have a negative impact, just as it did in Zimbabwe and in the Weimar Republic? I mean, it's almost as if there's a historical precedent never for It never works out, does it, quantitative easing? It's ne it never works. It literally never works. Every pound printed is just devaluing all the pounds in existence. So it's just it's the greatest theft of all, of all time. It's stealing from savers, from prudent savers, and giving it to the, to the indebted. It's ridiculous. So we've got this recession coming up, and the bank's got nothing in its tool chest to deal with it. No. Quantitative easing is what got us into this, this mess, so we can't have any more of that and they can't really raise interest rates too much even though they should they've, I mean they've raised them by the biggest increase in 27 years but it's only to 1.75% but obviously you know so many people and so many companies have got a lot of debt yeah. if they raise interest rates then uh, you know that's going to make that that debt unsustainable people can't pay their mortgages their credit cards companies can't can't service their debt and you know that that would make things uh, even worse so yeah and the, the economy's been choked as well with the, a high tax high spend government so hopefully there might be some light at the end of the tunnel with Liz Truss hopefully getting in. But what they need to do is uh, they need to uh, reduce tax so there's more money in the economy. Businesses can invest uh, and, and people have got more money to, to spend on stuff. And also they need to, to restructure the economy. So fire unproductive 
public sector workers, all these like equality, diversity and inclusion departments, all that sort of nonsense. And uh, those, because we've, we've got low unemployment as well, it's not all doom and gloom, low unemployment. So those people will be repurposed in more productive parts of the economy. And they earn a lot. They, 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 earn, absolute they earn a lot, but they won't be earning a lot, you know, if, if everything, uh, if we go into this wage price spiral, everybody's going to be eating their pets by the end of the year. Yes, will you be eating your pets, Steve? Got two cats and there's barely a meal between them. They're no, not even big cats. Not so, although I will start feeding them more now in preparation for the impending <laughs> thing. But it's interesting <laughs> to say, see, quantitative easing, one of the contributing factors, and a big one towards it, but then you say we need more people to have more money in their pockets to spend. Mm. Well, another contributing factor to this problem is the supply side. This is why things cost more. We can't get enough of them, and yet people have got more money in their pockets because of quantitative easing. Yeah. So it's odd that quantitative easing is part of the problem and also more money in pockets from tax is well, part of the solution. I mean, it's, the solution is probably more complicated than I could do in uh, 70 seconds on, on headliners. But no, I mean, unless you can do it in 70 seconds, we're not interested. Well, a, a, big, a big part of the problem is, yes, as Steve says, there's, there's not enough stuff. The supply chain and also energy. Energy yes. costs are, are sending everything up. So the, the government needs to just start drilling for oil, start creating energy, like reopen coal-fired power, power stations, whatever we can do to make energy cheaper. Fling everything at it right now, because yeah. we desperately need it. And we can worry about Greta Thunberg in 10 years' time, you know what I mean? <laughs> we don't need to, like, you know... You're very much on team trust with this one, aren't you? you yeah, think she's absolutely. got the answers here. Do you think there's a, a case for that, Steve? The, uh, you're right, it's, the solution's not going to be 70 seconds long because there are so many contributing factors, so many solutions. To, I mean, this is the problem with economics. What's the line that they say? You put 11 economics in a room, you get 11 different solutions. Yeah, exactly, and economic predictions are never right. That's yeah. what you know from the history of economic <laughs> yeah. predictions. There's no point in making them. Anyway, uh, we're going to stick with this theme now on Friday's Guardian. This is sticking with the recession. Um, and, you know, this gets, cuts to the heart of what you were saying, Leo. What do Truss and Sunak have to say about it? Steve, you've got the details here, haven't you? Yeah, they've fallen. I mean, the, the story in The Guardian tries to write it up as if, oh, this is new news. This, they're still in the same camps they've been in forever. Yeah. Uh, you've got your boring, being pragmatic, oh, let's just focus on the inflation side of it and have absolutely no fun Rishi Sunak angle. The Liz Truss is a little bit... Even the line that we, we saw in the news, the line where she says, oh, the thing that Bank of England says not happened yet, there's a whiff of the, might never happen, cheer up. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you think, I mean, what she's sort of promising, it, it feels a bit empty, maybe not that well thought through. I mean, she's talking about this idea of um, halting green levies and this kind of thing. But, but I mean, I saw bad. one economist describing that as spitting into the wind. It doesn't seem like it will make all that much of a difference, will it? No, but then the solution might be made up of loads of small solutions added together. Mm. I and I think that's... The, the things she's saying aren't bad, but the attitude does seem to be like, oh, I'm just going to give away free stuff because no-one's ever going to test me on this. I mean, the trouble with this is, of course, is they're both running for the party leadership and therefore they, they, they want to be seen to be proposing different solutions, you know, and, and to be fair, there is now something to choose between them, aren't yeah. they? Because they, they are approaching this very differently. Yeah, Rishi has said, look, we need to, we need to have uh, this Corbynist-style high-tax, high-spend <laughs> government, which, you know, is just like, what, what I'm to Conservatives being Conservative? Can't we have a Conservative, yeah, Conservative was, government? He was accused Richard? of that before during the uh, pandemic and during the... Uh... He's, he's always, schemes, you know? the whole way through, he's been, he's been just blowing all the money up the wall. He's been a socialist uh, chancellor, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and all, all, the, all the, the graft, all this, the COVID contracts and, and, you know, all the pointless things like, you know, eat out to help out. It's like, get everybody packed together in McDonald's <laughs> and that'll somehow, you know, help us in this COVID crisis. It's absolute nonsense. So, yeah, at least we do have a choice and, uh, and trust. Obviously, you know, politicians overhype what they're saying when yeah. they're trying to get elected. Exactly. Afterwards, they don't need to, they, they've got four years until they need to worry about telling them. But I mean, but... Her U-turn uh, was on the public uh, cuts. That does not look good, does it? Because when you, it, 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 that suggests she, she doesn't really think things through. 
she just announces something and, say, and then says, oh, actually, I'll, I'll just go back on that. And the retraction was great as well, where in a statement she said, I'm not changing my position on this, but yes. I'm no longer... <laughs> and, do you know what the word no longer means? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels like she's this close to lying. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the other thing, I mean, I know this isn't related to the economy so much, but in this debate that we saw the other night is... Uh, the Boris Johnson came up and uh, Rishi Sunak's uh, stabbing Boris Johnson in the back and Liz Truss making a real point of defending Johnson and saying that the, the way that people are talking mm. about him is unfair. That seems to be another key mm. issue, which might sway the voting, right? Yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody likes a traitor. Uh, no, they but don't. obviously, you know, politics, there, there's no honest, uh, you know... And the Tories <laughs> are brutal. Brotherhood, yeah, they're brutal yeah. to their leaders, if well, they, you know... It's one of the great things about them. They're, they're great at regicide. And, you know, if somebody's, if somebody's not performing, they get rid of them. Not, they don't just keep them there in a donkey jacket <laughs> using elections. Anyway, Friday's Times next, and the economic woes continue. Leo, what's this one about? Yeah, so Ofgem, the energy regulator, has warned of a very, very challenging winter for consumers as it was criticised for making inhumane changes to the price cap that will increase bills even further. So the price cap is going to change, which means uh, the, it's recalculated every three months instead of six yes. months. And but also, it, can we just be clear about the figures here? Because it's going to rise, according to this, on average from 1,971 for a typical household yep. to 3,359 from October and 3,616 in January. That's a huge yeah. disparity. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, the, what people have to understand is that, you know, the, the energy companies, they're buying the energy on the market. So right. they can't buy it for £5 and sell it for £2. Well, they can't haggle? They, no? <laughs> no, they, they could haggle if, if we weren't getting all our energy from, from Russia. Oh, and, yeah, uh, that, and Qatar and Saudi Arabia and places like that. Because we're not developing our North Sea oil. We're not fracking. I mean, come on, this isn't rocket science. I could genuinely be a better <laughs> politician in charge of this stuff than the people in charge of it. Steve, take us off fracking for a moment. The, you know, what do you think about this? I mean, now with Russia saying that, you know, they'll cut off all supplies by the summer as well. You know, this is, yeah. this is a hopeless case, isn't it? Well, and also hate the way in which we were, again, almost lied to with them saying oh, we're going to review this this cap every three months because you never know it might go it will mirror the price it might go down more do you know what a cap is <laughs> it could go down whenever this the way that ceilings work is just that you can't go beyond them i'd love to yeah. see their office space i presume it's all at six foot two and they all have to try and reach it and again like all of this is going to affect the poorest isn't it i mean yeah. really you know it's, it's striking actually that in terms of the cost of living crisis the, the rich and even the middle classes haven't really noticed that much of a difference well, yeah, it's, a good, it's a good incentive to maybe maybe work harder in school maybe try and get promoted <laughs> instead of dossing around with scratch cards. Yes, because that's why people are poor, because <laughs> they're lazy. Thank 100%. you for that little insight, Leo. We're going to move on now to Friday's Telegraph. Things hotting up in China. That's never a good thing, is it, Steve? No, you're right. This is not good news. Some missiles have been fired uh, over island of Taiwan and then landed in some Japanese waters. Now, this is important to remember. They fired some missiles into the sea. That ha seems to happen an awful lot. So, truly, the biggest target of this um, fallout is Nemo, I imagine. Or, <laughs> well, yeah. they've, they've hit Japanese waters. Yeah. It might be yeah. Koi Car. Exactly. Something like that. You know. Oh, it's terrible. The fresh water. Yeah. Are they? So well, just... I just knew they were a Japanese fish. You're you thinking of Gojira. Oh, since when were you an expert on, on you know, Japanese marine I life? studied Japanese at university. Oh, and was a fish, there was a fish module, was there? Well, Gojira is the uh, Godzilla, but that's how oh, Is that right? Japan. OK, let's so move this... on. We're, get, we're digressing a little bit. Yeah, true. So they've gone to war with Aquaman. And... <laughs> but this is all about rattling the sabre, you know, the tigers growling to show you that they're upset because of the Plosi visit. And it's, it's a military manoeuvre. Now, 
It's worrying. I don't want this clip to be the thing that comes back to haunt me, where I sit here and go, well, if all they want to do is have a war with the sea and just show that they're strong, fair play. Cut to in the future where yeah, that exactly. gets played and we're all at war. You see, because I'm worried about that, because, I mean, I didn't think that Russia would invade Ukraine, yeah. and I said as much on TV, and, well, that, you know... And this does worry me, actually, because China have been making overtures. They say they want Taiwan back within their fold by 2025. Mm. And, you know, we were... Get, do you remember all the criticism that Trump had about the way that he was tweeting at Kim Jong-un? Now you've got Pelosi actually going to Taiwan and causing rockets to be fired. This mm. is a, another step up, isn't it? Mm. What It's so reckless, right? Isn't it? I mean, even the Biden administration, even Biden's tried to distance himself here. Yeah, what but, it, but it shouldn't be, though, should it? You should be able to visit a place. Mm. I mean, let, let's yes. not compare visiting a place with launching some missiles to show how upset yeah. you are. Yeah, absolutely, and a show of solidarity is one thing. Yeah. Uh, but but it is slightly reckless politically and diplomatically. I know, it? people say stuff like that, but do you think Trump would have done, done something less reckless? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the nonsense. People are like... They oh. just tweeted. But people say, people make these excuses for, for Russia's, like, absolutely fascistic invasion of Ukraine. They say, oh, it was provoked. Oh, they were doing things. Exactly. It's like, man, like there's no provocation. Like, mm. get, come on, NATO. NATO has never invaded another, apart from like maybe Serbia. NATO has never invaded or bombed uh, another it, another when, country. But I think it flies in the face of typical uh, American judgment on this because they they have a policy of what they call strategic ambiguity when it comes to Taiwan. Mm. You know, that's not. I mean, this is not strategic ambiguity when you when you have a visit of this kind when you make the statements of the kind that she has. Has made it just feels to me like a bit of a failure. Yeah, but I think also China. I mean, America's got uh, in law has to defend Taiwan. It does, and uh, I'm just very surprised that China's rattling the saber so much. And uh, I mean, it would be impossible for them to properly invade Taiwan at this point. It's it's, a, it's an island, uh, so it's protected by uh, you know by fish? the sea, by oh, fish. Godzilla, and they're Godzilla. mad with China because they keep getting missiles <laughs> from them. So yes. yeah, I'm just surprised that China's looked at what happened to Russia. It's been a disaster for Russia, and the Chinese would do it differently, though. I think. I think they'd be a bit more organised, but they're still they're still many years away from having a proper oh, military that could. Have... That is the clip that might haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, if they ever if they ever take control, I reckon I could batter Xi Jinping. Okay. So if he ever takes over Europe, challenge I'll extended. Him. The gauntlet is thrown. Anyway, we're going to move on now to our next story. Friday's Independent, and like many Tory MPs that have come before her. Liz Truss faces her first sleaze probe. Well, it was bound to happen. Yeah, so they, in The Independent, which is a left-wing newspaper, they, they, they paint it as uh, Liz Truss facing first sleaze investigation over murky donations. Uh, so the La Labour, um, Angela, Labour uh, Deputy Leader Angela Rayner has uh, accused, her of accused Liz Truss of sleaze and demanding an urgent pr probe into this fizz with Liz event, which so was, was paid a fundraiser, for... Right? It was a fundraiser in Mayfair, paid for by a multi-millionaire uh, aristocrat, Robin Burley, and attended by around a dozen Conservative MPs. And I think it cost uh, £3,000. It isn't... I mean... All right, but, Leo, it isn't so much the money, is it? I think it's the... It's the lies, the, the, the way that she's... It was a tiny, tiny, tiny... Li no, wait, wait, wait a minute, though. Let's just be clear about this. So, Burley... Uh, Liz, Liz Truss said that Burley funded this, Burley hosted this. The yeah. Independent have seen an invitation which says, Liz Truss is delighted to invite you, and it ends with, best wishes, office of Liz Truss. So she was a bit involved. I've invited people to parties that weren't my party before. Yeah, but I, that's a different thing. I mean, that's she, just you being gauche. She was, she was <laughs> a bit... You know, she was a bit involved, but come on, this isn't... like. A bit if involved. 
talk he about. He signed the invitation. But oh, it's not... on, this is a this is I can't believe like people get like so focused. What this is, what this really is, is Labour digging as deep as they can to find any of the slightest residue of dirt to try and wreck her campaign. Because, because they want Sunak to win. They want Sunak to win because they know Truss will be able to annihilate Labour in an election. Do you think that's Sunak's right? Easier. The, the, well, a few corrections. The Independent's not a left-wing newspaper. It's a left-wing blog. Because <laughs> um, they don't print it anymore. So, but the, uh, look, any party would try and bring down or find a reason to stir things up for the other one. It's not just about it being Liz Trust. If they could manage to f puncture a hole under uh, Rishi Sunak's pencil line, they'd go for that. Um, but I think the, the risk, the stakes are higher. It's because of the stench of sleaze. This is not about her sleaze. You're right, three grand's not massive, and this looks like just maybe filling in the wrong form. Someone else paid for it. It's not the end of the world. But if you get tainted with the, the same taint of uh, sleaze, that's what brought down the last guy. Yes, exactly. That's so it's about the continuity yeah. of these kind of problems. Yep, perhaps. Anyway, Friday's Daily Mail now, and if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Yeah, that go on strike, potentially. Although not <laughs> really strike, because they, uh, they can't form a union, not with Amazon. So Amazon deliveries face being delayed in Tilbury. There's a, a warehouse there, and they've been going on strike. Over the issue of the 35p per hour increase, they wanted more than that. Well, I mean, it does seem measly. It does. It? When you compare this to the 13% inflation, the 13% we all get poorer is yes. what's going to be happening. 35p yes. ain't going to touch the sides. Uh, they've done a sit-in in the canteen which actually sounds pretty brilliant. I mean, they should have done the sit-in on the toilet, because these are Amazon workers. <laughs> it seems like they've not been able but to use one of those for Amazon a while. Amazon has a bit of a track record, though, doesn't it, of not treating its workers particularly well, or so it has been alleged. Yeah, and refusing to engage with any unions anyway. So it, it does leave these people in a weakened position, but mm. uh, you, you strike when you know you've got someone over a barrel. And let's be honest, no-one in society seems bothered to go to a shop anymore. We no. all order things online, mm. so if you're, if you're part of the delivery process, you've actually got some power behind yeah, you. What do you think of this one, Leo? Well, sitting in a canteen, isn't that just lunch? It is lunch. I mean, that's, that's lunch. They're having <laughs> a nice long lunch. But, I mean, I think workers have got the power now. There's record low unemployment, uh, thanks to, you know, for, for some reason, we've got all the hallmarks of, a, of economic devastation, apart from high unemployment. So, you know, people can uh, either leverage for more money, uh, go and strike, you know, agitate for more money like this, or just leave. Just yeah, but leave. I mean, they won't be able to do that with Liz Truss. I mean, she's promising a crackdown on the unions. She's going to make it harder to strike. She's going to make the threshold for ballots the, higher. That's, I mean, she's basically aping Margaret Thatcher, isn't she? Yeah, but that's, that's public sector. That's, you know, real and, and pub, public sector stuff. I mean, private private companies, private workers can... You can go and strike with, with your own feet. Plenty of people... Most people in the economy get paid more than the minimum wage, and yeah. that's because uh, companies have to pay more to get those people. Yeah. So, you know, once Amazon realise, you know, we're losing workers here, they'll raise wa wages yep. to make people stay. Welcome back to Headliners, your look at tomorrow's newspapers with two of the country's top comedians. And today it's Leo Kurse and Steve N. Allen. Let's crack straight on to Friday's Guardian and... Far right coming for our kids? Yeah. <laughs> the Guardian have been writing a lot about far right radicalization, far more than they'd ever write about uh, maybe, I don't know, Islamistic radicalization, which seems to do a lot more uh, actual, you know, bombings and things like that. But anyway, so teachers in England fear they are missing signs of far right radicalization. Um, but this, the stuff they're seeing is radicalization. So uh, they say there's, uh, there's a lot of low level banter. Some of it is quite insidious. Bear in mind, these are, these are teachers, so this will be like, you know, some blue-haired 
nose-ringed, uh, you know, lefty saying this. But also, that means a... using the word Chad. Yeah, there's there's a real undercurrent of misogyny here. Some of the language we're hearing is quite worrying from the incel movement, which is linked to the far right. One pupil was heard using the word Chad. I mean, oh my God, scramble all units. Somebody used the word Chad, so that, that refers to a sexually active alpha male uh, who's resented by incels. So this is one of my issues with, with this, is that often when people, and particularly left-wing publications, talk about the far right and the language of the far right, they do so in the, the idea of dog whistles. Yeah. And they say that all of the, you, you know, we get these dog whistles, this language, that language, which is actually very insubstantial. Yeah. And it doesn't actually mean anything at what is, all. Whereas, like, two months ago, uh, an Islamist tried to blow up a maternity hospital. Now, that's not a dog whistle, that's a bomb in a hospital. Do you think, Steve, I mean, I had uh, the Reverend uh, Bernard Randall on my show, and he was a chaplain at a school in Derbyshire, and, uh, you know, he had to go to a session where the teachers were forced to chant smash heteronormativity, <laughs> and he didn't want to do that. And he actually gave a sermon saying, look, we need to be able to politely disagree about these issues. And for saying that, the school reported him to prevent the anti-terrorism unit, right? So I just wonder whether often in these cases it's uh, people who don't really understand the discourse who are just overreacting and catastrophizing. Am I wrong? I, you know, I certainly always... This is one of the things we definitely agree on. To, to disagree is the basis of actually moving forwards. Unless you're willing to have a conversation with someone with whom you disagree, you'll never move forwards. Yes. And that is a big problem. It's, I mean, let's, let's not fall into the mindset of thinking we have to somehow act as if there is no far-right extremism just because another extreme ex extremism exists. No, I think But this is. article, you're right, just says, says, oh, there's a word used, let's but extrapolate. The problem is, Steve, I mean, no-one's denying the existence of the far-right. I've had to block enough of them on Twitter. But the thing is, um, they do... Uh, they are very marginal. And we have to, you know, um, you know, to... They're kind of uh, nutters. All, all the ones that I've ever interacted with are kind of just the weird guys with a carrier bag sitting in the corner with spoons. Yeah. They're not... They don't seem organised or credible or... Exactly. You know, my, my concern is that, that so many of these sort of articles that come out of The Guardian are people who are determined to see the far right everywhere. Yeah. They think they're ubiquitous, and so they see them everywhere. They hear these dog whistles where they don't exist, and that makes me very mistrustful of this. I'm, I'm not saying ignore it when actual far right people emerge. Mm. Tackle that. Yeah. But, but I, I worry because I think big people are scrapping with ghosts on this. A lot of yeah, and it does make me struggle to work out where the line should be. How, what do you detect? Because it's if there were, if we were sat here after there'd been some crime that some far right person had done on yeah. a politician or whatever, we'd be saying, oh, more needs to be done. We should be trying to find these people sooner. But I'm not sure how you do work out who's being radicalised and who's actually just using yeah. a phrase they saw off the internet and will never be a problem. And, and you know, kids do that, don't they? They imitate stuff. They yeah. don't really yeah, necessarily not, mean. And it. also, kids, kids see through all this sort of nonsense, this yeah. sort of you know, clown world dogma. So, I mean, I think if you want to stop young white men being disaffected and maybe just drifting off into the into the far right, you know, stop telling them they're they're awful and they're inherently bad. You know, stop stop putting them on the, the bottom of the pile. Are you saying the uh, discourse of toxic masculinity has a downside? Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. it does. <laughs> Sticking with The Guardian now and the history of the troubles still causing trouble, Steve. Yes, this is uh, Michelle O'Neill, Sinn Féin's first minister-designate, sparking a backlash by saying that there was no alternative to IRA's arm campaign. So effectively saying there was no other choice other than from, killing. From what I understand, the, the interview generally was quite conciliatory and it, there was just this one mm. slight comment, which of course has been, now the whole focus is on that. But almost understandably, because there are two ways of looking at this. Even if you believe all of this, you don't say it out loud. You don't say the quiet thing, because if you are actually trying to bring about peace, there are certain things that are going to upset people. But also, if you're doing an interview that you know the ears of those related to those killed Yes. Would, be, would hear it, you are going to cause offence. Yeah, and this doesn't bode well for, to, for bringing, getting Stormont, Stormont back exactly, up and running. It's, yeah. it's really a bad, a bad thing to say at the wrong time.
Leo, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, the, the Northern Ireland uh, issue, the Troubles, which seem to be you know, just a thing, a relic of history for, for so long, uh, yeah. uh, have now, unfortunately, because of, because of Brexit and the, the arguments over the, you know, where the border's going to go and yeah. the, the impact on the economy and also people's uh, movement and also nationhood, you know, is Northern Ireland, is it, is it part yeah. of Ireland or is it part of, part of the UK? You know, all, this has all been thrown into, into focus and turmoil again. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's sad to see. It'd be really sad if it, if it slid backwards. But, I mean, also, I mean, I think as Steve says, she does have to be more careful. The idea of saying that there was no alternative to the deaths of 3,000 mm. people mm. over this period of 30 years, for a start, it's not true. And, you know, the IRA, uh, you know, in, indulged in some overtly sectarian murders. Yeah. And, you know, this kind of... I mean, I just don't think this is sensible at all. Yeah. You know, but, but people on, uh, you know, people on either sides, uh, the extremities of either side of the, the um, I'd, I'd say debate, but it's way more than a, de than a debate, uh, they, they tend to have a, you know, an extreme view. And she, she genuinely will feel that it was justified. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we need, we have to reach a point where uh, Sinn Féin and the DUP can work together, mm. can get back to power sharing. But, you know, Paisley and uh, uh, Martin McGuinness, they were best mates by the end of it. And Martin, I mean, that what, what Michelle O'Neill has said is nothing compared to the things that Martin McGuinness mm. used mm. to say. So, you know, there's still hope, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, moving on now to Friday's Express. The EU has some sinister plans that will cause Brits to fume, not for the first time. Yeah, there's a lot of fuming going on this, a bit this of fuming. year. Yeah, we're going to need those masks back. But uh, <laughs> there's Brexit fury has erupted after it emerged. The EU is set to replace passport stamps with a new system following the UK's departure from the, for, from the bloc. So tourists outside the EU will be required to submit a photograph and fingerprints from May as part of the bloc's bid to tighten entry rules. Uh, what so does that mean in effect? That it's going to just be longer to get through? It's going to be customs. more hassle, more bureaucracy, all the things that the governments love. Uh, you're going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to submit photos and uh, four fingerprints, uh, which will be submitted in the form of biometric data. Because I mean, for years we were used to just you know swiping our electronic passports yeah. and just waltzing through as if it was you know we we're part of the same trading block. And now it's <laughs> now it's totally different. Now you know we're a separate country, so you know you've got to. Uh, it's like applying for a mortgage. You've got to you know. But this isn't that much more, is it? than normal. Checks, they'll make it more. They'll they make will, it won't more. they? Like, never, never give governments more excuse to stop you in a queue. Uh, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, for all that I'm, you know, ostensibly right wing or whatever, I, I was a I was a remainer. Most of it was just for convenience. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've been really surprised about the number of people who've said that you know, really, people voted because of you know how long they wanted to wait in a queue or what colour the passports should be. I don't know anyone who voted for those things, but you know, no, maybe, it, maybe it is ridiculous to presume that the colour of a passport in any way links to your. Although that Nash. said, the colour of the new British passports is great. It's really stylish. I'm sure they're great, but the colour of my previous one was the only one I'd ever known because <laughs> the age I was born, and I'm not less British than someone who remembers a different colour. Do you worry that we're going to have these really long queues now? Does that bother you? Well, yeah, for a few years, but, I mean, look, this is part of the deal, isn't it? As much as we get to control our border, so does... That, that border then forms something else, yeah. aside of which the other people control. It's not going to work. The way they've got it with fingerprints and stuff, they make a, a really good point that most people go through these borders in cars. Yeah. You've got to reach out like a McDonald's drive through and try and tap four fingers as well. I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. But that... Four fingers seems a bit excessive. What if you don't have four fingers? Four fingers from yeah. a car. I mean, I've, I've been to some dogging sites. But um, the, uh, I mean, I think, I think the easiest way to get back into the UK is just to get, go down to the beach at Calais and jump in a rubber dinghy. Then you get across <laughs> in record time, no, no bureaucracy, and you get a free house when you get there.
Friday's independent now, and Sandy Toxfig has proven that the art of letter writing is not dead. Steve, she's gone all theological, hasn't she? She's upset with the church, and the last time we were together as us three, we were speaking about the church, and you were saying, well, if there's one place, one institution that you want to be, you know, a little bit of olden times, it's the church. Yeah. You got what you wanted. Because, yes, I did. Uh, yeah, um, Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, affirmed the validity of the declaration that gay sex is a sin. Was that what you were after? It was what I was after. It yeah. makes it far more exciting. But also, the thing is, we know it is a sin, according to... Christian dogma, that is the case. I mean, no, no gay Christians are under any illusion about this. So, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not the orientation that the church has a problem with, it's the act. Yeah. That's, that's the Although, you say this, but Welby says he would not seek to challenge churches that conduct same-sex marriages. So the, the weird... Mixed messaging here. It is. Or this, like, the, the third leg of this syllogism is that you're presuming that there's no sex in gay marriages? Yeah, well, the <laughs> thing... <laughs> it often isn't. Um, but the thing is, I mean, he is... You know, he's trying to appease uh, the Anglican Church around yeah. the world, you know, and there's a lot of African nations where, you know, homosexuality is very much frowned upon. He does have to keep those uh, elements of the congregation in check, and, you know, doesn't he have to keep them on side? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting when you see people trying to do this, trying, trying to appeal to various sort of opposite uh, stools and then fall firmly between them. You yeah, know, it's, like you it's see with, with Labour trying to, trying to appeal to the trans community and uh, fundamentalist Islamic community. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of contradictory What I'll say uh, is the Catholic Church is better at this. The Catholic Church drafts some very interesting things where they fudge things a little bit and it, yeah. could, appeal, it could be read in different ways. They, they don't like the fudging. But um, interestingly, um, I, I wouldn't take advice on uh, sexual behaviour from, uh, from this guy, Archbishop Justin Welby. When he was Dean of Liverpool, he covered up a paedophile. So... Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Is that true? It was true. It was in the papers. Well, or... I don't think he's... Uh, anyone's suggesting you take advice from him on sexual matters. I think he's just asserting uh, the, the teaching of the church. What's interesting is Sandy Toxwick now writing this letter. Now, now this has gone viral, by the way, this letter. Right. Hmm. But is it really going to make a difference? Because what, because no. what Sandy well, Toxwick is... You know, it might reduce monkeypox. What, if people don't have sex? Yeah. OK. But I, just, <laughs> I don't think that, that a Sandy Toxwick or a comedian presenting theological arguments that, let's face it, the Archbishop of Canterbury will have considered before. It's not that he's going to read this and think, ah, oh, I didn't think of that. Mm, Forget yeah. what I said. Maybe it's voicing public opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still think it starts the debate about, oh, this thing that you love actually might be making a, a commentary on your life that you don't like, so maybe you shouldn't be so religious. That's the way I'd read it. I mean, like, if, if you don't want to... Um, have an organisation that claims that your sex life is a sin, maybe you realise this is what religion seems to be bringing you. This is what the church is bringing you, rather than religion. OK, well, let's move on now to Friday's Guardian. It looks like people are tuning out of traditional radio. Can't think why. Yeah. <laughs> so, radio fans spent more time listening to commercial stations than the BBC over the first part of the summer. Uh, and this is for the first time since the 90s, as deep-pocketed commercial stations invested heavily in marketing, uh, poaching talent and launching new services. So, I mean, GB News Radio launched at that time. Yeah. Some, some of the talent that's been poached. I mean, there's Chris Miles. Whew, don't get more talented <laughs> than that. Chris Eddie Evans. Whoa. for the skies there. Chris Evans. Oh, my God. Uh, Eddie Mayer, I don't actually know them. Andrew, Andrew Mark, genuinely talented. John Sopel and a Emily Maitlis. They've all signed lucrative deals to move to commercial radio rivals. So, is I mean, this just it's... another step on the demise of the BBC? Is that what this is? Possibly, yeah, because the BBC has had to, has had to cut budgets, uh, you know, which has obviously uh, made their... I, I was, in fact, I was on Radio 4. I did an hour on Radio 4 a couple of weeks back. Got paid 50 quid. There we go. Yeah. I don't know if they wanted you to sort of advertise their <laughs> rates. 
Well, yeah. about, I told them. I'm going to tell everybody about this. I was like, you cheap. I mean, like, it's just so cheap. Steve, what do yeah. you think? Do you think? Well, uh, I'm still knocking around in the world of commercial radio, so yes. I, I take this headline and say, why, thank you for the yes. increase in listenership in my little afternoon show. Um, partly, it's also, this is harsh, there's no nice way of saying this, but a lot of the BBC's listenership comes from BBC local stations, which they were going to trim the funding on a couple of years ago, but they mm. worked out it was the uh, anniversary of the launch of the first local station, so the BBC just panicked and went, oh, let's keep the money as it is, and then they've been trimming it recently. Um, and also, their listenership tend to be of an age of just slightly under-dead. So... <laughs> <laughs>Welcome back to Headliners. I'm still Andrew Doyle, and they're still Leo Kurse and Steve N. Allen. So, Friday's Daily Mail, and they've got the uh, Mr. Men and Little Miss turned into the Mix People. MX, yeah? Mix People, yeah. Trans Charity Mermaids have used these, they call it in the... This is from the Daily Mail. Let's remember there'll be that um, particular filter through all of this, but uh, the British Mr. Men characters have been used to promote gender ideology to young children. We have examples here. Little Miss Tiny has been changed to Little Mix Trans Women Belong in Sport. Uh, Mr. Perfect... <laughs> Mr. Perfect is now Little uh, Mr. Protects Trans Youth, and Mr. It Tickle is Mr. No Tackle. I mean, they're not... <laughs> Might have made that last one up. You made that one up. OK. I mean, they're not catchy. <laughs> we, we can see their little mix trans women belonging to it. It's not catchy. Isn't little mix a band anyway? <laughs> and they'll sue because they're... Well, look, I mean, this, these are effectively just memes. I yeah. don't think they're bringing out the full book. But if, if you're going to be in an interview saying, look, look we, we are simply... We've got a, a case to argue, but don't do something that very much looks like it's targeting a yeah. group that you shouldn't be in a discussion with. So yeah. the problem here now... So, obviously, Stonewall has had a, a pretty bad time of it uh, lately because... And the Tavistock Centre closing. I think people are becoming quite alert to the dangers of teaching very young children about gender identity ideology mm. and particularly the dangers to gay kids and, you know, what mm. that can do to them. Uh, and straight it, kids. And straight kids. But <laughs> isn't, isn't mermaids on the same path as the Tavistock, really? Shouldn't someone be doing a bit of an audit of them? Well, they do say uh, that we believe that young children should be able to play, explore and learn about who they are and the world around them without having adults' ideas imposed upon them. Are they kidding? Like, what do you think you're doing? Are they you're, kidding? You're just jamming no. it down their throat. I mean, toddlers must just want to go... To, just, I just want to go to primary school and not have this LGBTQIA++++ stuff just jammed down my throat. It's, it's, you know what it's I mean? no self-awareness at all. But also, you know, there was a leaked um, uh, mermaid training session where they were saying uh, about uh, how you can tell if someone's male or female according to gender identity and the male side of their spectrum which they illustrated was gi joe and the female side was barbie <laughs> that's their view of whether you're male or female is yeah. to, to what type of dolls you like to play with why yeah. not just leave kids alone if a yeah. boy wants to play with dolls just let him get on with it, it doesn't yeah. mean he's a girl I mean, it seems you know, rigidly yeah. old-fashioned. It's really old-fashioned, really conservative. And we're both uh, bringing up kids, not together. I mean, that feels weird. <laughs> but we're both going to have to make these these uh, discussions with our children about you know. And I I would rather my child grows up to just be himself and not listen to what society says. Don't let other people come up with the rule of whether you are a GI Joe or a Barbie. Yeah. Live your own life and don't have to. Don't worry about conforming. Exactly. You know. Anyway, we should move on. Uh, now we're going to the Friday's <laughs> Times. Uh, now we're going to be sticking with the literature theme. I don't know if Mr. Men counts as literature. <laughs> uh, and this is to do with Beowulf. Later. Yeah. So it's a medieval text, and now uh, students are being given a content warning about it. They're being warned they will be exposed to black magic, not the not the chocolates, uh, monsters, <laughs> death, and blood while reading Beowulf, which you know. 
for me, when I was a teenager, you know, you'd want stuff like that. In the book. This, is, this is just going to be the new equivalent of, uh, you know, the parental advisory sticker on rap albums. Yeah, but the, yeah. but It'll be a sign that it's good. Except it's aimed at adults. This is the thing. So, I mean, and it's among 30, uh, 30 texts, you know, classic texts that are being given a content warning at the University of Aberdeen. And Aberdeen, I'm not, I'm not joking, people in Aberdeen have got other things to, to worry about. Uh, <laughs> so to prepare undergraduates for material that contains references to animal death, eating disorders and, and ableism. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're grown-ups, they're students, they should be challenged. And stuff that's in Beowulf, which is, you know, a, a sort of folk, uh, folk story, I think it's told in sort of uh, almost verse. And it's, it's amazing, uh, well, it's an amazing film. I don't know about the book, <laughs> but the film's amazing. So, you know... Uh, Look, all of these are sort of Middle English texts and things, you know, like the Gawain and the Green Knight. I mean, that, that, is, that centres around a decapitation, yeah. right? And the man's green, you know, so he has ableist issues as well. But I'm, I kind of think just if you... If you don't want to read about violence, if you're, if violence upsets you, don't study literature. How about that? Mm. And you know, I, you know, why do we keep having to patronise people in this way? But then I'm, I'm never upset. Because it always seems. Do you remember when you watch a film and for some reason Simon Bates would pop up and just tell you that it might contain some swearsy words? I remember that. Yeah. 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 This is just the same as that. I don't know why we do it. Kids, but that's for parents no, but, who need yeah. to look out for what yeah. their kids watch. This is for adults who have made a decision. To study, it's like if someone, you know, uh, decided to do a, a medical course because they want to be a heart specialist, and someone said to them, "Actually, there might be some blood, so yeah. be careful." So what you're saying is people should know, should fill in the blank already. Right. That this trigger warning fills for well, them. Actually, but it's worse than that because I kind of think the trigger warning mentality kind of implies and kind of accentuates the idea that literature and words are d potentially dangerous, yeah, harm. potentially harmful. Mm. And I'm not saying it's the same as censorship, but it's not. But it's it's on the same path and because when people start believing that, then you get things like the Ottawa Schools District burning 5,000 books in a flame purification ceremony because they've got outdated racial stereotypes. And worse than that, it's, it's a waste of my taxes. Right. So, you know, taxpayers' money is being spent, or university money is being spent on people to, you know, come up with these content warnings and pour through scripts and films and all the rest of it to, to see if there's anything that could possibly offend people. And also, it'll inform the development of modern literature. So publishing yeah. houses, which are super woke, won't, you know, develop stuff with... You know, imagine Charles Bukowski trying to get a book deal right now. You know, the greatest ever writer. And, you know, he'd never get... I mean, this... Never get a book I, deal. The, goodness me, if they read, I don't know, Ovid, Ovid's Metamorphoses yeah. or something, they would have a heart attack. I mean, how are they going to cope with that? Uh, or, or Titus Andronicus, Shakespeare, if they read that, they would absolutely freak out. Anyway, hopeless. Friday's Guardian now, and uh, procrastination. The Thief of Time. So it's it's in The Guardian, which means already I know the story doesn't start until, like, paragraph seven. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's really ironic to be writing about procrastination and making me read all this. So what we have <laughs> is uh, someone, a university professor who's written a book, a self-help guide to uh, beating procrastination. It's worth noticing, noting no-one's ever going to read a book on procrastination. No, of course they won't. Well, target market, they'll buy it, but they ain't going to read it. Mm. Um, so anyway... Also, the... it took him 20 years to write it, which <laughs> <suggests> <laughs> he learned the lesson later on in the book. Yeah. But one of the things he's saying is that, you know, if you procrastinate, it doesn't mean you're lazy. I think it does. <laughs> well, I, I, does. I know what they're trying to say, but there, there seems to be no actually help in this self-help. It is just admit that uh, procrastination is just, what was the phrase, not being able to manage your emotional problems. Well, yeah, maybe get over it. I mean, that, it feels <laughs> like my book's smaller 
but it probably works. That We all do, we all procrastinate, and at the end of the day, you think, oh, I should have got more done. Well, tomorrow, try and do less of the procrastinating. It's yeah. simple, isn't it? That, I don't sounds know a, that sounds a bit like what Jordan Peterson suggests. Well, I think a good way of uh, dealing with procrastination is to uh, do something else when you procrastinate, you do something else. So you tidy the house instead something of Something else that's valuable. Something else that's valuable. Yes. And then before you know it, you've only got that thing that you were supposed to do left to do, and then it doesn't really matter. They you've, should done Hamlet. you've done all the other stuff. If you want, if you want to know the ultimate oh. tale of procrastination, it's Hamlet. He keeps putting off killing his uncle. Do I need a trigger warning about it? This may contain scenes of procrastination. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of procrastination in Hamlet. Also a lot of death. So maybe Oof. that would be upsetting yeah. to uh, various students. Anyway, we're going to move on now to Friday's Daily Star. Airbnb look like they've messed up on this one. Leo, what's all this? Yeah, so Airbnb has been forced to apologise after a listing on its website advertised an 1830s slave cabin for rent. So it was a property in Mississippi. Uh, it was brought to people's attention after a New Orleans civil rights and entertainment lawyer, Winton Yates, slammed it in a TikTok video because he wanted attention. Uh, so <laughs> this, you know, this was basically it was a, a re, uh, remodeled uh, slave cabin. But it wasn't actual authentic. It wasn't it, someone building something to represent or, or it is yeah, an actual slave cabin. It was reconditioned. But obviously, you know, it's better living conditions than the slaves would have, would have had in it. But, you know, they, they don't claim uh, that you're living living, you know, like that, but it's a sort of historical artefact. Yes. People were very happy. 4.97 out of uh, out of five. I can dream of having an Uber rating like that. Uh, it's got good reviews. You know, we stayed in the sharecropper cabin and ate in the main house. The horse, the, the house tour was great. Is so it... was the breakfast. But I mean, this the thing with this is uh, like tourism. I understand, you know, slavery is a, you know contentious, upsetting subject, but. Tourism is full of historical sites that are, have horrible histories. Look at the Tower of London, people being beheaded and hung mm. and tortured. Uh, town, square, town squares were used for hanging anywhere, pretty much any town in, in the yeah, UK. Yeah. Jack the Ripper, and we're not talking, I mean, slavery was, this was the 1830s. Jack the Ripper was, you know, it can't have been, it must have been around about but, the same time, maybe even more recent. Yeah, Jack the Ripper, yeah. 1888. 18, so more recent. I mean, I don't, isn't there a risk here, and I suppose the argument here is that, that people are, Effectively fetishizing people's terrible experiences for the for the for a holiday, right? You know, isn't that the the argument here? It, it's still the argument, but the counter is still the same point that people will still fetish fetish. Oh, I'm not going to try and say that again. <laughs> They'll do exactly that thing that you said about Jack the Ripper, or that the only reason one would go to East Grinstead is to look at those witches' graves. You know that people already do the thing that yeah, you're worried about people doing. Yeah, they do. But then when they think about it, when when Trent Reznor from um, Nine Inch Nails moved into the Charles Manson house, you know, where Sharon mm. Tate was butchered and her, and her friends were butchered, and he, he said that after he, he ran into a relative of one of the victims, and only after talking to this relative, he realised, what the hell am I doing? I've moved into this house. I thought it was kind of cool and macabre. Mm. And actually, there's something kind of serious here. There's something... There's a horrible history here that I shouldn't fetishise, which is effectively what he... The conclusion he came to. I just so, wonder if it's a similar thing. Stop showing mm. off that you can pronounce fetishize. I just want to say fetishize again and again. And you, can, you can pronounce it as well. We can all do it. It's easy. Fetishize. <laughs> there we go. Friday's Telegraph now, and the staycation boom is at an end. I was surprised by this story because just last week I'd read that no one was going on a staycation due to the price of petrol. Uh, mm. Firstly, I don't like the phrase staycation to mean holidaying within the UK. We don't say vacation. Let's not say staycation. Let's say holiday. And let's definitely not say holly bobs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, your holidays, the idea of people going on, apparently we're, we're now bored of doing things in the UK, basically. It says in this article that with the restrictions now listed, uh, lifted, British tourists are heading abroad. No, they're not. They might try to, but you're having a weekend in Gatwick, mate. <laughs> but um, basically it's saying that people uh, don't want to do more holidays in the UK. What? What a splendid nation this is to holiday in. 
Yes, follow hollow stay. What do you think? I mean, Leo, are you a staycation person? I've done some staycations, and uh, they're very expensive compared to compared yeah. to going abroad. I mean, it's a hassle getting abroad with you know you've got to have uh, all these COVID tests and stuff. I don't know if they've got rid of that yet. I think they have. Yeah. But, oh, good. Well, that's a relief because that was such a such a pain having to have that download a fake app that spoofed a <laughs> QR code for the NHS. Um, it was it was a real pain. But um, yeah, I think you know since people aren't getting out of the airport, we should we should have airport cations <laughs> where you just stay in the weather spoons at Heathrow Terminal Five. Yeah, it's not weeks. so bad, not too shabby. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, it's going to be bad for all of these sort of holiday destinations within the UK. I mean, they've enjoyed this upsurge, and now yeah. they're going to have to deal with the fact that no one wants to go. They there put the prices up too high. Well, and also, there's uh, someone down in Cornwall from uh, Chief Executive of Visit Cornwall, Malcolm Bell, says, uh, "Oh, we had basically had loads last time." Yeah, and yeah, I think you had signs saying "Go back to London." <laughs> so maybe that's partly why you don't have as many tourists now. <laughs> Moving on to Friday's Independent. What's this about a bar that uh, an irresponsible advert? Yeah, what's yes, this about? So, and this isn't funny. A New Zealand bar, <laughs> a New Zealand bar has been subject to backlash after posting a job advert which required any female candidates to have double D breasts. Apparently, we can see the advert. <laughs> oh, amazing! I wonder what you're going to show us. Then. So, part-time <laughs> bar staff apply within must have double D breasts, a great smile, and a good attitude. But men can also apply. Yeah. So this this uh, shows the discrimination that that men face in trying to get hired in today's job market. But um, women, women have been uh, an uproar uh, on Twitter. One of them tweeted, I'm only a single D, and I also, I'd also rather gouge my own eyes out with a rusty spoon than work anywhere that has an ad like that. But yeah, I think they were looking for a great smile and a good attitude, to be honest. So, <laughs> but also, uh, she, but wouldn't, she wouldn't get the job anyway if she's single. Yeah, days. she doesn't. But what I love about that message is the second part is all she needed to send, was the <laughs> I'd rather gouge my eyes out. No reason to go, ah. Uh, pair that, of D's over here. Do you know what I find interesting? A lot of the responses, though, are people criticising the joke, because it's obviously a joke, isn't it? And there's one person no, saying, think... oh, why didn't they say it must have double D breasts, a great smile, uh, but but women can also apply? So, <laughs> that would be funny. That would be, be funny. a funny joke. Yeah, but, you know, this is the thing. I mean, this is clearly a joke, though, right? No, I, mean, I it, think it's serious. You think it's a serious think attempt at discrimination? it's a serious attempt to hire somebody that, you know... Like, if I ran a bar... I mean, like, the thing is, I think what they're doing is stopping people wasting their time, which is a good thing to do. So whoever runs that bar is going to hire somebody with double D breasts, could be a man, could be a woman, and with a great <laughs> smile and a good attitude. And, you know, putting the sign up means that people that don't fit that criteria don't apply. Steve, do you think it's a bit much? I mean, I disagree with Leo here because I do think it's a joke. And, yeah. you know, this, you know, th they're now suggesting that this employer might be in breach of the Human Rights Act, 1993. But I mean, is it really that big a deal? Yeah. I mean, I'm not... Yeah, you know. it feels like if you do a joke and the joke doesn't land, you should just have people saying that's not funny. And right. that feels like that's fine. That's dealt with the situation. I don't think you need to be taken to court for a bad joke. No, no. Anyway, let's move on uh, to Friday's Mail. Uh, and for a moment, the whole scientific community were perplexed by a piece of Spanish sausage. Another story about someone who did a joke and now has apologised, which even... I, they shouldn't have done that. So what, we, what we've got here is a French physicist forced to apologise for planet photo. It was actually a snap of some chorizo. I think we've got a picture of this one as well. Check um, out the... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at it now. It's yeah. clearly a sausage. Exactly. I, I would have assumed that was a NASA photograph. You know, uh, it kind of looks a lot like chorizo. There's no, there's no banding. You know, everything's. <laughs> there's no. Um, what's it called? Uh, Einsteinian lensing, gravitational yeah. lensing. That's you can't what expect that's missing. laymen to, to know that and notice <laughs> that. But, but this was a joke, right? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, that's, that's not. He claimed that it was a picture from the James Webb uh, telescope, and it's not. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Unless it's got a really good lens on it and zoomed, took <laughs> one shot back at Spain. And 
managed to get but it. But why does he apologise? That's the thing. And some people were really upset by this as soon as they worked <laughs> out that it was a joke. There were some of these messages, people thinking it's... Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. That coming from a scientific research director, it's quite inappropriate to share these kind of things. I'd say that makes it even funnier. Yeah, let the guy Surely. have a joke about his specialism. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. Anyway, let's move on uh, to another story now. This one is in Friday's Metro. <clears throat> Workers at this post office have found a good way of dealing with annoying customers, Leo. Yeah, so this post office has put a sign up saying that if you're grouchy or irritable or just plain rude, there will be a £10 charge for putting up with you. I think and... we've got a picture of this one too, Oh, actually. amazing. There we go. If you are grouchy, irritable, just plain rude, £10 charge, £10 fine, fine rudeness. Rolled... It's a bit like a swear jar. Why not? Are we sponsored by a sign makers? I think that's it. We're doing Every a lot of signs story. in the show here. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's going to be affecting? Would you pay a fine if someone said you were being a gr bit grumpy? No, how are they going to enforce it? They've got no legal jurisdiction. No, they can be... oh. fix a fixed penalty notice to my shirt while I'm in the post office. <laughs> I'd go the other way. If they said it's like a £10 fine for being grumpy, you'd get like 50 out and go, right, right, watch. Yeah. <laughs> just, I can afford it, you beep, beep, beep. I think we've got time just for the last story. And uh, this one is Friday's Daily Mail. What's in a name? You can, yeah. It's one of the least useful stories that ever comes around. The most unpopular baby names of 2022. There's a box of all the different ones. The interesting one is Alexa. I really understand why you wouldn't call your kid that these days. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. <laughs> they've nicked, they've ruined that name. I think there should be a class action where all of the Alexas, Alexi, probably a plural, should sue Amazon for this because these, it's done their name. These lists come out all the time. The, the list. I think the only real lists that are valuable to new parents is the list of the top most popular names because those are surely the ones you want to avoid. You don't want to yeah. be part of the herd and, and you know just go with the, the names that are the, the most popular. And you've recently had babies. Or you, you've got one due, haven't you? Yeah, and yeah. So, it's so, called it's called OK Google. Okay, there we go. That's a oh, nice my phone's name. going off now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of this, Leo? Do you think this is uh, important in any way? Um, well, it's interesting to see the you know demographic shift in, in the UK. The top boy's name is Mohammed. Is that right? Yep. I knew you'd. End. I knew you'd make that. <laughs> I knew you would. I'm making no value judgment. Why don't they bring back some of the old-fashioned names like Reeny? Why don't we have any Reeny like Maggie? I like Maggie as well. But they will. These things come and go. Like Ethel was the name for old women when we were growing up. But yeah. now you old women aren't called that. They just call annoyingly old blokes are called things like Steve. That's I think Ethel is a, Ethel is a fantastic name. I think we need more Ethels. Think of it when I, if I have a kid, I'll have an Ethel. Uh, that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much to my guests, Leo Curse and Steve N. Allen. And don't forget, of course, that Headliners will be back tomorrow at 11 o'clock with Mark Dolan. See you there. Farewell. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.